What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Proving It Plant-Based Podcast. I am your host, Natalie Falco, vegan trainer and plant-based health coach. You have come to the right place if you're looking for all things plant-based diet, exercise, strength training, building those overall healthy habits for you and your lifestyle and how to eat for your fitness goals and your future. All right, let's dive into today's interview. I have Kathy Davis from Veg Inspired on our podcast today. So Kathy is absolutely incredible. First of all, because she is a coach and an educator and a recipe creator who comes from the whole food plant-based world. Now, she is somebody who has a unique story because she had been vegan for a handful of years, but found herself kind of eating uh, a little bit of what you would call a junk food vegan diet. And so soon afterwards, she found whole food plant-based eating, and that is what sparked her interest in teaching others to do the same when it comes to taking control of their health and their lifestyle. So Kathy joins us all the way from her RV. She is traveling the country uh, with her three cats, and she shares a little bit about tips and tricks of how to eat plant-based or vegan right on the road in a world of meat eaters, just all the things that we deal with when it comes to the struggles and the challenges, uh, when it comes to going out to eat, going to social events. And she really puts everything that she coaches to practice in her own lifestyle. And she had a huge weight loss success when she turned to whole food plant-based eating. So as mentioned, she is the owner of Veg Inspired. You can find her at veginspired.com if you are looking to check out some of her amazing recipes. And she also posts a lot about just eating plant-based foods, how you can become oil-free, eat a high-carbohydrate diet, how to limit your processed foods and to eat mostly plant foods, and also how to incorporate the once-in-a-while vegan treat and how to make those delicious things at home as opposed to buying in the store. So we find our way out of dieting and into living Through talking to Kathy, I loved having her on the show. She totally makes me want to go and travel the country and just get out there and see everything that our beautiful world has to offer. So without further ado, here is Kathy. I'm so honored to have her on our show today. I hope you guys learn a lot from this conversation and I hope you enjoy. All right. Welcome, everybody. I have a special guest on our episode today, Kathy Davis. So Kathy is a plant-based lifestyle coach and recipe developer. I'm so excited to have Kathy on today because she has such a plethora of knowledge when it comes to a whole food plant-based diet, since she herself coaches individuals in weight loss, coaches individuals in making the lifestyle change And so, Kathy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Natalie. I'm so excited to share and really help others and inspire them to eat more plants. Yeah, absolutely. That's what we're here to do. So give us the intro version of yourself, because I know you can probably explain what you do a little bit better than I can. Yes, I would love to. I'd love to do that. So thank you. I am an eight-year vegan. Uh, Eight years ago, I reluctantly started eating more plants. That was my transition. My husband brought the idea up and I was like, Whoa, I don't know. I don't think I'm going to go vegan. That's scary. I'm going to have to give up all my stuff. (laughs) Eight months of transitioning and trying different recipes and realizing that it wasn't what I thought it was going to be allowed me to grow into, you know, adopting that way of eating. And so I've been eating vegan for eight years, but two years ago, I really recognized how food made me feel. I really started to, you know, pull into 
more of the whole food, clean, un, mostly unprocessed foods and really started to notice a, a huge increase in energy and happiness and joy and just more excitement in cooking in the kitchen. And so two years ago, I really adopted this more whole food, plant-based, mostly unprocessed way of eating. And while I still say that I'm an ethical vegan, I eat whole food, plant-based. And now I help other people eat more plants and really elevate their energy so that they can show up as their best selves. I love that. And I, I love that you kind of touched on, you know, ethical vegan versus whole food, plant-based, but you can be both. Absolutely. You can, but I think a lot of times people are so afraid that if they eat more plants, they're going to have to be vegan. And I'm like, Whoa, but you need to do what's best for you. Yes. For me, I think that we should never eat animals, but if the transition part of it is just adding more plants to your plate, let's start there. Cause that's where I started. Yes. We are very, very much aligned. I can already tell, um, in the same values and really just making that transition process easier. So you mentioned that your husband was the one who had this grand idea and you were slowly easing into it. And so tell me a little bit about that. What sparked his interest? Yes. He read a couple of contradictory articles and thought, gosh, I really need to look at what this, what healthy eating really is. And he came across the works of Dr. McDougall, you know, world-renowned plant-based, uh, plant-centered diet focus, plant-focused doctor, I guess, and his works on the starch solution, which really is such a myth buster for the diet culture that a lot of us grew up with. You know, I'm a former weight watcher. I've tried everything. And the starch solution was like a 180 degree difference from what I'd been taught. And I love potatoes. So I was willing to give it a try, but you know, you really have to shift your mindset around that. And so early on, I was like, listen, I can't give up a burger to eat potatoes. Like potatoes are scary for food, but (laughs) you know, fast forward now, like I always encourage like those high satiating foods, unrefined carbohydrates, you know, not the, we're not talking about donuts and processed carbs we're talking about is close to mother nature intended and really eating that eating the foods the cooked version of potatoes sweet potatoes the whole versions of rice grains things like that so it was really an evolution of mindset too with all of the the way you eat and the foods that you know will fuel your body yeah i love that you bring up that point because it's really challenging everything that we've been taught in society and saying like, Hey, this doesn't work and we have to do something different, but it's unlearning everything that's been pounded into our brains over the years of carbs are bad for you. If you want to lose weight, you have to cut your carbs and to be open-minded and just take that next step to say like, Hey, well, what kind of vegetables do I like? What kind of starchy vegetables do I like? And for me in my transition coming from the bodybuilding world where I did cut carbs a lot and I loved carbs, but in order to be lean or maintain my physique, I had to cut them out. And I was sick of that. I was like, I want to eat. I want to be able to eat and not have to worry about how much carbs or how little carbs I'm eating. Right. And I, you know, what I love about what you bring up there too, is it's the worry. It's the, it's the, like the constant restriction that we're trying to avoid by focusing on eating more plants, eating more unprocessed foods. And I hear all the time, like people will be like, well, potatoes, I can't eat those. And I'm like, it's not the potato. That's the problem. It's the stuff you put on the potato. That's the problem. That's what really is causing us to be sick. Yeah. It's really, really incredible. So your husband, he was the one who kind of did the research, you know, it shed a light on actual, some truths about nutrition, right? Cause there are a lot of contradicting things out there for every 
person or you know article that's written on how dairy is bad for us there's somebody in the dairy industry that comes back and says no dairy is incredible for us and so it can be so noisy and it can be so confusing for for the consumer so how do you help clients kind of work through this noise and this confusion yes i always tell my clients you know I can find an article to support whatever you want. You <laughs> want to drink coffee with butter in it? We can find an article, but right. we really have to look at the source and look at the funding, like follow the money. And I always joke, like there's no broccoli coalition or broccoli council out there screaming the protein in broccoli. Right. But there are meat and dairy coalitions and councils and, you know, um, out there say, touting the benefits of these, but leaving out the negative side effects. And, you know, I was just reading something the other day about the negative side effects of, you know, those high fat, high protein diets for our arteries. I'm not saying that if you eat that, you can't lose weight. I'm saying, what's the other side effect that's happening? Like if you're eating these high cholesterol, high fat foods, where is that? What is, what is the result of that? The, not the, not what you can see, but the things you can't see. And I always bring my clients back to what's your goal. You want to feel good. So when you eat that, how do you feel when you eat that plate of bacon and cheese? How do you feel? And they'll all, every time they're like, well, I felt like terrible. But, but it satisfied me, right? Because those are high dope, like they're satisfying foods, but you don't feel good. You don't have energy. So like we really come back to that and really use some tracking tools to track how they feel when they eat that food and how they can show up with energy and how that, how their body feels, how their, you know, digestive process feels and really bringing it back to their goal. Because a lot of times, you know, people are driven by numbers and I always say like, go ahead and get your, go ahead and get your blood panel. Let's compare those numbers in six months. Let's look at what that looks like. Cause you can see the number on the scale. Cause you can feel it in how you look in your clothes, but what about the numbers inside? What about that cholesterol number? What about the blood pressure? Like, are you tracking that? Or are you just going to go with, oh, I don't think I'm sick yet. So I could just eat whatever I want. Yeah. And for the average consumer, right. Of, of food, right. Of meat and dairy and standard American diet. I think that's always top of mind is just, well, do I need to lose weight? Do I not need to lose weight? Am I, am I happy and healthy in my body, but not really thinking about what's going on in your body. And that's huge. And I, I love that you said, you know, follow the money because it's so true. I remember having a conversation, uh, with someone and, you know, there were these undercover videos of like animal cruelty, obviously in slaughterhouses, horrible, horrific. And the rebuttal was uh, something along the lines of, this is fake, this isn't real, this is fake. And I said, who would that benefit? By that being fake, who, who would that benefit, right? And so we always have to think about who is behind this Right. I mean, it's pretty sad to even go on, you know, the American Heart Association or the Cancer Society and, and you think like you do a fundraiser and you're donating and you're doing good things to these big, huge organizations, yet they're also being funded by the meat and dairy industry. So in turn, you go into their recipes. Well, what are they going to say? It's contradictory information. Yeah, a recipe for beef stew, but you're also saying that we shouldn't eat red meat. So it's yes. really, that's a really good point that you bring up is follow the money. You know, at the end of the day, like we have to advocate for ourselves and really thinking about your internal health too. And it's not just about weight loss, but it is about how you feel. It is. And, you know, you bring up a good point. And I talk about this sometimes on, on Instagram. I, when I switched from vegan to plant-based, I lost 40 pounds wow. and people are like, oh, wow, well, that's amazing. I want to lose 40 pounds that teach me how to do that. And I'm like, 
but what you're missing is everything that I've gained. I have more energy, right? Today's national hike day, the day we're recording, this is national hike day. And I just posted a carousel of 10 images from hikes that we took in 2021 that I would have never been able to hike in these national parks that we, we travel to two years ago. I could barely walk around the flea market in Florida and it's flat. I would have never been able to do a six mile hike in the mountains of Montana or the mountains of Texas. I would just not have had the physical energy or the ability to carry that much weight all of that place. And then just the energy and, and the confidence to show up and, and breathe belief into other people, you know, that the, the things that I've gained by eating this far outweigh the weight I lost, which seems so counter counterproductive, right? Because everybody's like, oh, well, but you look amazing. Yeah. But I feel even more amazing. And that's, that's the transfer. That's what the transformation I want you to you to experience when you eat more plants is how you feel. Yeah. So that's amazing to hear because right. You're talking now about your energy levels going up, your endurance going up, your whole body, your, your physical body, right. The weight came off. That was more like a, like an added bonus. Um, but all these other benefits. So you have been vegan for eight years and, and the past two and a half been plant-based. So before you went into this plant-based world, give me some ideas of like, what were you eating as a vegan that maybe slowed you down a bit or, or was kind of holding you back from being a better version of yourself? Absolutely. One of the big things was I was, I would count myself as like half plant-based. So I was still eating, you know, oats for breakfast, avocado toast. Uh, I was, you know, I would eat lots of, I'm trying to think of some things, you know, tofurkey and, and chow cheese sandwiches and field roasts. And, you know, I'm, I'm naming names because I support the fact that there are companies that are coming out with these amazing vegan products, but what I want you to understand in, in this conversation too, is the frequency of enjoying those products is what really had to change for me. Like I would eat, you know, vegan cheese every day as a snack. I peanut butter on everything and dinner would be, you know, here we are traveling the United States. So dinners at every vegan restaurant in the city. I mean, you know, I always joke, like my, my, waste might've seen the benefit, but my wallet definitely has seen the benefit of me eating more plant-based because it's so much more on budget than dining out all the time and eating all these expensive processed vegan foods. You know, I can buy two pounds of beans for a fraction of the cost of, you know, those, you know, high processed vegan burgers and things like that. So, you know, my, my diet really consisted of a lot of the vegan mock products and a lot more high calorically dense foods. So a lot of nuts, a lot of nut sauces, a lot of nut cheeses, a lot of seeds, a lot of, you know, I didn't, I didn't cook with oil, but that didn't mean that I didn't bring vegan butter into the house and white bread. And so you're starting to see that it was more processed foods, more vegan processed foods then versus now I look more for, you know, vinegars and, and, uh, citrus juices and a lot of fresh herbs and spices to really flavor my foods. And now I eat a lot of beans and whole grains and brown rice and potatoes and fruit and really turn to those more natural, more colorful foods. Like I always tell people like focus on eating the rainbow. Like I love a salad that has all the colors. I even buy cooked beets just so that I can have like that purpley color in my salad. I love that. That's really great advice. And that was actually a question that I had for you because I know that you are very, very knowledgeable in the plant-based on a budget category. And this is something that I talk to my clients a lot about. Um, and that vegan, vegetarianism, plant-based, whatever you want to call it, whatever it is, it gets a bad rep because we go into a store like Whole Foods and you see Beyond Burgers for $10, right? And then, I mean, if you go into a regular grocery store, you can buy regular hamburgers for dirt cheap. And, you know, again, you're getting a lot of, like you mentioned, 
uh, a lot of negative things along with that kind of protein. However, when we add these things up, the plant-based cheeses, the, the ready-made sauces, all these things, um, that it is really great that it's easily accessible at this point because veganism has come such a long way, right? I wasn't vegan 10 years ago, so I don't even know what that was like, but it's come a long way. So that's amazing. I think that you really are a true example of kind of doing it the right way, because I even recommend to clients who are not vegan, who are not fully plant-based, like, Hey, if you like deli meat sandwiches, can we switch it to a plant-based option? And that way, or you go to the cookout and you, and you have the beyond burger on occasion, right? Because it is a better option. It's still processed, but it's an alternative for you to still partake in eating the foods that you like. Absolutely. And that's one of my number one tips for people is when you are going to a social event, find out what they're cooking so that when you look at everybody else's plate, you're not like, Oh, I wish I had, I would, I'm just going to eat the burger. Cause I miss it. You can be like, Oh, step into your own power and be like, I brought my own burger. Can you just slap it on the grill? Or I brought cupcakes that are vegan, right? Because it's often those little things that you do to prepare yourself that can make a huge impact in making this easy and accessible, especially in social situations where there is that, um, you know, the influence of other people and other people's thoughts, right. Where we're like having to feel like we have to defend our choices. If you just bring a dish to pass that satisfies your goals and aligns with your goals and prepare yourself, you know, you can really step into that power and be like, Oh, I brought potato salad for everybody to eat, or I brought this whole grain pasta salad and really be prepared. So that's, I love that you bring that up because a lot of times we think, Oh, I'll just go and eat whatever they have. But if you go with a preparation to make sure that you have something that aligns with what they're eating, that also aligns with your goals, you're happier in the moment. Absolutely. That's a really, really great point. That's something that I still practice my, you know, some members of my family are also vegan. It's something that, that we practice and it just, it takes the awkwardness out of it because yes. not only now, right. If you go to something not prepared, you know, say it's a cookout or a birthday party. If you go not prepared, people are now going to question, oh, why aren't you eating it? Or what, you know, when in reality you could, and it's always about preparation, right? It's always about just planning ahead. So if you're going to a restaurant, prepare, right? There are times I look at the menu and I'm like, cool, they have nothing vegan, but they do have some side dishes. They do have something that I can make and yes. I'm not going to sacrifice not going somewhere and not partaking in something because it doesn't necessarily cater to me in the best way possible. Right. And, and piggybacking on that, like remembering why you're going, right. It's not always that you're going for the food. A lot of times we're going for the social, the camaraderie, the celebration for someone else. And so being able to be prepared, check out the menu, figure out what you're going to eat, maybe eat a little bit before. So that if you do have a side salad or some side veggies, you don't feel like you have to eat this, you know, meal of things that you may not want. And the other thing, a lot of restaurants now are willing to make dishes for plant-based and vegan options. And I always tell my clients like call ahead. And I do offer, I call it, I do offer to my clients, send me the men, send me the menu at least 24 hours in advance. And I will tell you what I would eat if I had to go there, because it's like that. fun for me to check out the restaurant. Menu. Oh my God. Yeah. So I'm sure that also probably inspires some of your own recipes. Definitely. I'm definitely inspired by our travels and restaurants and other worldly cuisines. And I really just love to tap into flavors and textures, both from things that I've had and also things that I've researched, but then also childhood favorites. Like I love to recreate things that I've had or that my clients have had and try and make it a vegan or plant-based option. So it's always like a fun game. It's fun. It's a challenge. It really is. And, you know, as we go into the holidays this year too, 
I love that oftentimes we can simply make a dish plant-based, vegan, you know, like stuffing, for example, right? It doesn't need meat. It doesn't need chicken broth. Uh, and nobody would really know the difference, right? So things like that, it's really cool when you can make a really yummy plant-based recipe and kind of impress your family members and your friends. And, and, you know, you don't even have to tell them it's vegan. Just let them enjoy it. Exactly. That's what I love about it. A lot of times, and it can be that simple, right? I mean, you just, you just talked about one of the most simple swaps you can make, just use veggie broth in place of chicken broth. And I always tell people veggie broth with a teaspoon, you know, about a teaspoon per cup, a teaspoon of nutritional yeast. You're not going for cheesy. You're going for that buttery flavor that it adds. And then if you really want it to pull in the chickeny flavors that people associate, add a few shakes of poultry seasoning. I mean, people don't, they don't even know, they don't even know the difference between it. I mean, it's so easy to just swap out the, the chicken broth for veggie broth and still get a really deep flavor, almost more flavor. Yes, absolutely. There's really some easy, easy tips. My husband's, uh, claim to fame for the holidays now is his vegan mashed potatoes. They're just mashed potatoes, but he uses vegan butter and, and plant-based milk. So, you know, it's really easy substitutions like that, that it goes a long way. Nobody really notices and everybody's happy and healthy. And, and who doesn't love potatoes? It goes right back to what we were talking right. about. Like, right. we love them. So. so you have some really amazing tips when it comes to weight loss, you know, plant-based and vegan aside, you mentioned some really, really great tips, uh, when it comes to like the social setting, um, really making, making experiences around friends, family celebrations, and not about the food all the time. Right. Because I think sometimes we always do celebrate around food. So the food tends to become the main priority, right? But yet for Thanksgiving, why do we get together? We get together because, you know, the point is to give thanks, to see family members, to celebrate together. Of course, it's around food, but we're forgetting the main point. Right. And I think that really helps with weight loss is when you can take your mind off the food and direct it on something else. That's huge. So what are some other tips that you have when it comes to really having a sustainable plant-based lifestyle? So planning ahead is my number one tip. Um, whether it's planning how to fit easy plant-based meals into your already busy schedule or planning ahead at restaurants or planning ahead for social engagements. And I don't necessarily teach or preach prepping because for a lot of people that can be a very overwhelming concept. Like how do I manage four things happening at once, but more, how can you fit in what needs to be done so that you can make plant-based eating accessible in the moment? So does that mean you need to prep some vegetables to have for the week? Does that mean you need to go ahead and wash your greens when you have three minutes? Or does that mean that you need to prioritize spending time with your family on the weekend and then carving out that 30 minutes while your kids sit at the kitchen table and you can prep veggies and help with homework. So really kind of looking at your own schedule. I have a couple clients right now that actually prep their dinners during the day because after school, it's all taxiing their kids around. And so they really needed to be more in control. And I always ask people like, one of the things that I find fascinating is everybody seems to have time to cook until you suggest a change. So really kind of reframing your mindset around that change and identifying what you want so that you can align your actions with that goal. And it's funny because I hear my business coach say things like that. And I'm like, oh yeah, that totally relates to eating too, but she's talking about it in terms of business. And so really looking at the ways that you can make make the food accessible. So planning ahead. And then the second thing I always tell people is it goes back to this mindset, like reframing what the plate looks like. You know, I grew up in the state eating the standard American diet. So it had meat, starch, vegetables, 
and I had to drink a glass of milk, which I hated then. And I, hate, <laughs> I hate now. And so like, how can I reframe what I look, what I think a plate looks like for me now, the plate is half of like starches and beans. And then the other half is lots of colorful vegetables. So it might be like a half a sweet potato with half a cup of beans. And I don't really measure, but I do use a scoop. So I kind of know what it is. Um, a couple spoonfuls and then maybe pico de gallo on top of like shredded lettuce and a big you know, scoop of guacamole and like really kind of looking at what your plate looks like and how you can reframe how that looks. And then my third and final tip really is eat more of the plant foods that you already like crowd out the animal products. You know, a lot of people come to me and they're like, I'm not ready to make this change. What can I do if I'm, you know, in this interim, like, what did you do? And I was like, I just ate more plants. I just ate more plant foods. I grabbed an apple instead of the bag of chips. I grabbed the vegan, this, instead of the animal product, this, you know, maybe it was vegan sour cream. Maybe it was vegan cream cheese. Maybe it was just looking at the two different breads and saying, I'm not going to eat the one that's enriched with eggs and, and milk. I'm going to eat this cleaner one. That's more whole grain and doesn't have the animal products in it. Like really just starting to become aware of where you're eating animal products and then crowd them out with more plant foods. Yeah. It's, that's a great way to look at it is like reframe the idea that you have in your mind of, of what the plate should look like. And that's what intrigued me the most about a plant-based diet was I had started to see, you know, I don't even know where, right. It was probably subconsciously noticing, uh, people doing these massive grain bowls and they're filled up with veggies and, and quinoa and beans and starches. And I'm over here like, yeah, but I get all my protein from chicken, eggs, and and dairy, whatever. And I'm like, but I want to learn how to do that because they're doing it. And so it's possible. And really just reframing that plate. Exactly. And learning to what, what your body actually needs by how it feels, right? Like it's tapping back into how you feel, right? Because if you're tired... It might be because you're not eating enough, not necessarily because you're not sleeping enough Your sleep might be affected by what you're eating. So it's really kind of tapping back into how you feel and looking at, you know, maybe you can get your protein from beans, lentils, and quinoa and broccoli and some nuts or some seeds rather than, you know, meat and dairy and eggs and starting to really look at what that looks like. So I love that you brought that up wanting to replicate those meals that you saw. I always say like those Instagrammable worthy bowls that look amazing and like I mean, I like to take food pictures, but usually I don't have the time to <laughs> perfectly place everything. I'm right. usually like famished and ready to Devouring eat right now. <laughs> Absolutely. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, just being curious, I, I like the term plant curious because I think it's, this is who our main audience is on this podcast is the people who are plant curious. They're trying to find out how, and, and it is totally, totally possible. So that leads me into some other questions I have. Um, we talked a little bit about, you know, your inspiration and in creating recipes. I know you have some cookbooks of your own. I will definitely tag those in the show notes. Um, so we talked a little bit about the mindset stuff, but the recipes, you know, when you're having your clients, like you said, prep foods, do they find recipes to be overwhelming? Do they find recipes to just be like a, an area that they don't want to get into? And what are some of your favorites that you recommend to them that are simple and easy to go to? That's, this is a great question because I think this is something that people really do overcomplicate it. Um, yes, of course, in the beginning, we're obsessed, right? We're like you said, plant curious, like we're obsessed with it. We want to find all these things. We get on Instagram, we look at all these amazing bowls and we're like, holy cow. And then we go to try and implement it. And they've got like carrot swirls. And we're like, how the heck do we do this with our kitchen gadgets? Or they use a high-speed blender, like a Vitamix. And we don't have that. And like, how do you really channel it back to 
what's accessible to you. And what I tell my clients and, you know, one of the beauties is I always tell people like, they're, they're like, oh man, your cookbook doesn't have any, has so many pictures or doesn't have a lot of pictures. And I'm like, I know like, that's kind of a bummer, but here's the benefit. You're not looking at what I did to make my bowl look pretty. You're just making your bowl. You're just making your dinner and you're taking out that glamorous look to it. And you're just making it so that it tastes good. And I try, I tell my clients a lot, like don't overcomplicate it, have three to five meals in your arsenal that you could easily grab any day of the week. Maybe it's whole wheat pasta, uh, your favorite red sauce that, you know, like my clients typically try to eat oil-free. So they're either having to make a sauce, which is, we have a simple one in the, the super easy plant-based cookbook with fresh basil and, uh, crushed tomatoes. And you just simmer it for like 20 minutes and everything kind of melds together and it's so easy and it's so good. Um, but maybe it's your favorite, your favorite whole grain pasta or your chickpea pasta or, you know, whatever pasta you use the sauce, you can keep all that at home and then some broccoli, you know, taking that step back and being like, how can I make this easy? Like, what did you cook before you'd come home from work? You'd thaw some ground beef. You'd make ground beef with pasta sauce. You'd eat it over spaghetti, maybe with a side salad sub out the ground beef for lentils, your, your dinner's done. Like starting to really think of those easy swaps, but that's not what we do in the beginning because we're so, so obsessed. We're looking for all these other options. And that was what we did. Like we were cooking like multi-step meals and we're making veggie balls and we're making, you know, tofu ricotta to go in the lasagna. And like, now that now you've got every dirty dish in the kitchen and you're like, what the heck this took four hours. My kids are starving. I actually had to feed them chicken nuggets because it's not ready yet. And it's nine o'clock at night. And you're like, I can't do plant-based. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I wouldn't be able to do that either. And I like to cook. So kind of slowing it down and thinking about how you can, again, make those simple swaps. Maybe it's roasting potatoes. Maybe it's baked potatoes with maybe a, a store-bought cheesy sauce, or one of the things I love, and I kind of talked about this is sweet potatoes with black beans and pico de gallo or salsa and guacamole. Like it's easy. It kind of hits all the nutritional things. You've got your carbs, you've got your protein, you've got your veggies, you've got, you know, some avocado for that healthy fat really ties everything in. And it makes a really pretty presentation without a lot of work and a bonus. You can actually throw the can of chickpeas after you've drained and rinsed it right on the pan that you're roasting the sweet potatoes and they get this fun texture. So it makes them a little bit different, a little bit crispy without have, they don't have to be like crunchy. They can just be slightly crisped and people like seem to like them more because it's not like a bean texture that people are like, Oh, I don't like that bean texture. Right. So just some cool things like that. Yeah. It's the little tips and tricks and secrets that people have doing things. You know, I always find that there are times I follow a recipe and I might modify it a little bit to make it more, more my own, or like, say I want to skip a step or I don't have an ingredient. It's like, you do the best that you can do and you figure things out. And I love that you bring up the points about like making it simpler for yourself and not overcomplicating it. Um, I know you said you love to cook and obviously you're a recipe developer, you have cookbooks. Um, I find cooking a little bit meditative. And so I try to get my clients to find ways to enjoy it. If you feel like it's a chore, put on some music, put on a podcast, do your chopping, right? Because in order to eat whole foods, it is going to take a little bit of prep work. Yes. And so we have to find some form of enjoyment in doing that, right? We don't want it to always feel like a chore. However, for me, I don't love cooking, like cooking. It seems like I do because <laughs> I do it a lot, but I, I like baking. I like baking. I don't love cooking. It feels more like, oh, I got to get this in the oven. I got to do. So I keep it pretty simple. And I find that if I don't have certain seasonings, guess what? I'm omitting it, but I'm going to make it anyways. And so, yeah, it's almost like just simplifying it for yourself to take the overwhelm out of it. And it's like, you got to eat. So you might as well make something with some love in it. Definitely. And I think, you know, it goes back to how we think about it, right? If you tell yourself, this is going to be hard, it's a chore, it's too time consuming. 
then that's what it's going to feel like. But if you go into the kitchen and you're like, I'm going to go ahead and buy the prepped broccoli and the prepped cauliflower. So all I have to do is arrange it on a sheet pan and roast it while I help with homework, or I'm going to, you know, get this all in the instant pot and my husband's home. So I can take the kids and the dog to the park while this cooks or whatever it is, like really thinking about ways that you can make it easier for yourself. And, you know, one of the things with recipes, I always tell people like, learn the technique from the recipe, but allow yourself that time to just fiddle with the ingredients. You know, I have a recipe in, um, the super easy plant-based cookbook that you use veggie broth and you put a bunch of vegetables in a, in a lasagna pan and you roast them. And it's a Greek themed recipe, but like, if you don't like oregano, add basil or add rosemary. If you want maybe you want to do it for Thanksgiving. So you sub out the olives. Cause that doesn't really lend itself necessarily to Thanksgiving and the artichokes that are in there. And maybe you add in some additional root vegetables. So it's like potatoes and root vegetables with like a rosemary sage and thyme. So thinking about ways that you can take the technique from the recipe and then modify the flavors, because a lot of times, like as a recipe developer, I may have tried that recipe three or four different ways, but can only put so much information in the cookbook. So really kind of, like I said, learning the technique and then, you know, changing it up as you go is really a good method to kind of implement, especially if you don't love to cook, you can kind of start to see, oh, this is how they do this. Oh, this is how they roast without oil. Oh, this is how they make salad dressings this way. Oh, I could use this in my favorite dressing. And you start to see how it works. Yeah, 100%. Um, And that kind of reminds me of times where I have done more complicated recipes, but once you learn it, you take it as a tool in your toolbox and then you can use it. And I recently just started um, frying my tofu with cornstarch. So, you know, making it crispy, it's just a different way to cook it, you know, uh, kind of holds it together a little bit more sometimes. And it's a lot, like sometimes it's a lot to bring up the recipe and to go through all the ingredients. So it's like, keep it simple. You know what to do, drain the tofu, bread it with cornstarch, season it, you're good to go, right? So simplifying is a huge, huge one. And really just like you even said, like even substituting, right? How did you cook before, right? How did you cook before when you were a a meat eater and you want to go plant-based? So really what are the substitutions that you have to make? Um, It's probably less than you would think. Definitely. And I know the one big thing, and you mentioned it too. Um, the two, the two big things that I find people really struggle with is what do I use in place of eggs? What do I use in place of meat on my plate? Right? Like, where am I going to get that protein? And so I always tell people like, if you're not a tofu eater, give it a try, but don't expect maybe to love it the first time. Like take that step back and understand that it's all about preparation and you may need to try it a few times. So if you're somebody who always eats a hard boiled egg, you might be like, darn it, what am I going to eat? So maybe that's where you sub in, you know, a handful of crunchy chickpeas, or you start to make hummus every week and really start snacking on hummus versus that hard boiled egg and really start to think about ways that you can get protein in a different way than you got it before. Absolutely. And just being really open-minded to different foods, different flavors, right? Because if you're expecting your tofu to taste like chicken, you're going to be very disappointed. But also knowing that, like you said, it takes time. It takes time to figure out best practices to cook it. Um, it takes time to figure out what flavors you like individually, but it also just takes time to transition into certain foods, right? If you're going into whole food, plant-based eating, and you're not used to that, your, your body will crave it, right? Because of the way it makes you feel and how satisfied your body can feel on plants, but it takes time. So what would you tell, I know you mentioned, uh, really just starting with incorporating more plants into your diet. What would you tell the person that's like, listen, I'm trying to add in more fiber. I'm trying to add in more green vegetables. 
However, I deal with bloating or I'm not getting enough protein. And there's always kind of like, I don't want to say excuse. I don't want to say limiting belief, but rather a roadblock. I I always tell people to increase their water, (laughs) mostly because you're adding all this fiber and your body's like, what do I do? We're kind of stuck. Things are not moving. So I always am like, add some water, go for a walk, like just get things moving. And then as far as high fiber foods and high protein foods, start to look at what you're eating in as like a full variety. Like I always say, like I eat at least two servings of beans every single day. Not everybody wants to eat two servings of beans, right? That might be leading to bloating early on, especially if you're not drinking enough water or you don't never ate that much, that much beans. And so, you know, can you do beans and then hummus where there, where the beans have already been kind of processed down? So it'll be easier to digest. Can you do lentils? Can you add in a handful of nuts or a seed, you know, and some people always give me a weird eye at this, but start with a tablespoon of white mild beans in a smoothie just to increase the protein in it so that you feel like you're getting more protein. Um, and then too, as far as whole grains, like a lot of times people will say to me, well, I'm gluten-free and I'm like, we'll try things like millet, gluten-free oats, like look for a whole grain option that might not make you feel bad, right? Like I love pasta. I am not gluten intolerant. I can eat my weight in bread, like sourdough bread, like all of like, none of that affects me. But if I eat a plate of pasta, I'm like, oh, and even if it's whole grain pasta, chickpea pasta, it doesn't matter. I think I just overeat it because I love it so much. And so, you know, kind of take that step back too. maybe drink, um, or have a bowl of soup before you eat those foods that you might tend to overeat, not from a restriction standpoint, but more from a, how do you feel when you're done? Like, I know I feel like crap after I eat a whole big plate of pasta. So I started eating a salad before, which allows me to eat less of the pasta because I'm not hungry. So I just can't force any more in if that makes sense. No, that's a great tactic. I, I love that. Right. Because there's no reason why you should totally eliminate like the foods you love if it's pasta. However, you know that about yourself and like, okay, I'm probably eating a bigger portion than my body physically can handle. Um, but I love some of those tips of like drink water, get moving, right. Your bowels, your digestive system is going to adapt. Um, and even some of those little tips, like it doesn't matter how long you've been vegan. I just learned about the white beans and smoothie thing. And I was like, wow, I would run out of, you know, I use a protein powder most days, not all the time. Sometimes I substitute in my smoothies. I'll do a silken tofu, um, things of that nature, hemp seed. Um, but when someone told me about the white beans, And I didn't have any other options. I was like, great, cool. White beans, spinach, frozen fruit. There you go. Protein smoothie. Yes. And something else too. I, somebody told me to try, uh, green peas in a smoothie for more protein, which I thought was going to taste terrible, but actually it it was kind of not bad. And then also cauliflower. So if you have, if you're trying to sneak some veggies into, you know, for your children, you can do some cauliflower and strawberries and make like a strawberry smoothie. And then they're eating cauliflower too. So, you know, I I don't think it's sneaky. It's just a different way. It's just a new recipe you're trying. Yeah. It's a, it's another approach. It's another little tip and trick. And I actually had a client of mine do that. I, she did frozen broccoli and cauliflower. And now it's like, she's inspiring me because I'm like, Oh, okay. Right. You probably can't even taste it but you're adding fiber, you're adding those nutrients. And so, you know, I think everybody across the board, right. Has a hard time getting in enough fiber and we think we do a good job. And then you're actually like, well, how much fiber are we eating? And so, like you said, you eat two servings of beans a day. Like that's a great amount of fiber. Not everybody can do that. Not everybody wants to do that. And so that's the biggest roadblock and kind of, uh, 
I, again, I, for lack of a better word, like excuse just keeps coming to my mind, but you know, that's what I hear a lot of is like, I can't eat beans because I blow easily or I have IBS and things of that nature, but even just increasing the water, right. Increasing your movement. Yeah. And also think about pairing them and I'm, and I'm not like a food pairing pers- uh, expert or anything, but just adding more food that is high in water content. Right. So like maybe you do, like I've said, beans and a potato or half a potato. Like I love sweet potato. I could eat sweet potato for breakfast. I could eat sweet potato for lunch. I could eat sweet love potato it. for dinner. I could eat sweet yeah. potato all day long. I love sweet potato. I could eat it as a fry. I could eat it mashed. Like it doesn't matter. I love it. Yeah. So kind of tapping into t- also maybe it's not the whole grain. That's the fiber that you're eating. Maybe it's just eating more fibrous vegetables. You know, maybe it's just eating more, more vegetables that do agree with you or more fiber that does agree. So maybe potatoes digest really well for you. And so you eat those at every meal, toss a sweet potato in a smoothie, roast it, eat it as sweet potato fries, like wedges, kind of thinking about ways. And again, it goes back to how you feel, but thinking about ways that you can incorporate more of the foods that make you feel good. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So you talked to us a little bit about the benefits that you felt on a whole food plant-based diet. Were there any other ones that you experienced when you made the switch, or maybe you've had some clients with some success stories and benefits that they've felt and and why should we consider um, switching to a whole food plant-based diet? Yeah. So I have a couple of clients that are battling some pretty chronic illness, diabetes being one of them. And they saw tremendous benefits. Like we were actually, um, I work really closely with them on working with their medical practitioner because obviously I can't change their, their medicines, but I know the power of plants. And so I'm really encouraging them to check in and have those blood panels done. And my client realized that she was over-medicating because the plant foods were doing their job and making her, her body respond better to the insulin resistance that she had been having. And she was over-medicating. And when you start to think about that, like the power, I mean, we had only been working together for like four weeks, like the power of plants can really, truly change your life. And I had a lot of those pre-diabetes symptoms myself. Like I said, I was overweight, did not have energy and really just felt icky. And so stepping into this new way of eating and this new way of taking care of myself, daily movement, more mindset practice, more, more gratitude practice, and then eating these foods that fuel me has really kind of changed my overall look, even from a mood standpoint, like I'm not as moody. And I think it's because my hormones are better and balanced because I'm eating foods that are feeding my body in the right way. Something else that I noticed, and this is really going back to when I switched from the standard American diet to eating more of a vegan diet was I just felt lighter. I just felt like things moved through better. Like my digestion was better. And then you can kind of see it get where I started to feel like it was really starting to get poor again was when I was starting to eat all those processed foods. So it's just foods that just kind of hang around in your gut. And like, we talked about people being bloated, but I, you know, I always encourage them write down what you eat. Like if you're feeling bloated, are there common foods that are making you feel bloated? Maybe it's not the broccoli. Maybe it's the increased oil, or maybe it's the nut butter, or maybe it's this new seed, or maybe it's a new spice, like really kind of tapping into the way that foods makes you feel also helps to kind of make the decisions for you as you move forward. Absolutely. I'm a big believer in writing down, keeping some kind of food logs, some kind of food journal, but really paying attention to how did that food make me feel? Right. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to go back to the beginning because I feel like this is full circle moment interview. Um, what was it for you with your husband that really made the light bulb go off for you? Because it, it went off for him and he obviously shared this information with you, but it takes a lot for one person to convince another. So, so what made the light bulb go off for you and make that change once and for all? So he had introduced me to the idea and we'd been trying all these plant-based recipes and I was slowly coming around to the idea of eating this way. I would let myself watch a documentary or two. I would do a little bit more research on the animal agriculture, like 
what happens in the, the slaughterhouse videos and all of that. And I remember the day, like we had been planning our wedding. So I'd been meeting with the caterers, you know, every few weeks to talk about the food menu. And every time I was like, well, I'm a little bit more vegan. So can we, can we use eggless pasta? And like, can we have a veggie ball option? And can we have a couple of appetizers that are, so each time I met with them, I was like changing the menu. They probably were like, oh no, not her again. (laughs) But the pivotal moment was I was at a friend's house and their family raised cows to be slaughtered. And I remember they were like, oh, we had a baby calf this week. Do you want to go out and see it? And I was like, yeah, yeah. I love, I love animals. This is so exciting. And as I'm standing there, I'm like, oh, I get it. And the light bulb came on. And I remember turning to my mom who was there with me and saying, I I'm, I'm vegan. I'm done. I'm not eating animal products anymore. Wow. And I had just, I it was at my bachelor, oh. it was like my bridal shower. And I had just like consumed all these like deviled eggs and cheeses. And I remember being in that moment in the field. And I actually have a picture that says it's circled and it's like, it says baby next to this oh. cow. And I'm like, I can't eat them anymore. Like I'm, I'm done. I'm vegan. And that, that was the moment. Like it was eight months in the making, but it was that moment that I decided to be yeah. vegan. Yeah. That just gave me chills. Um, because it, it really does take that sometimes it takes putting two and two together, having an animal standing right in front of you, right? And making that connection, even though we know, we know the connection, but I I love that that was kind of like that epiphany moment for you. So I also saw that you uh, traveled to Watkins Glen and went to the animal sanctuary there. I did the same thing and it is beautiful there. That was just a life-changing experience. So Tell me about your experience there. Definitely. So we did go to Farm Sanctuary in Watkins Glen. That was our third sanctuary that we'd been to. We've also been to a couple, couple outside of Pittsburgh. And one of the things that I encourage people, you know, we talk about that pivotal moment for me and, but remember like the whole process leading up to it was learning that plant-based eating wasn't was something different than I thought it was. It wasn't as restrictive. It wasn't as scary. The food still tasted good. I could still get those same flavors and textures using plants. And so when you start to learn that, and then you experience time with these animals, hear their stories, the sheep there, they rub up against you. I could pet the cows. I mean, you're like in a space with these sentient beings that that want nothing more than some attention. They're just like your, just like your cat or dog. I mean, yeah. really. And it really showed me and solidified that this was the best choice for us. And one of my big like goals is to start a foundation that funds lower funded sanctuaries um, so that I can really give back to the people that are dedicating their lives to saving these animals from, you know, poor living conditions or factory farms and, and really make a a difference there. Absolutely. I think, um, like you said, just experiencing being in their presence and really acknowledging that what is on your plate is a sentient being or, or was a sentient being. And, you know, what a lot of people don't get to experience if you don't go to one of these sanctuaries first of all the animals are extremely well kept they are so fortunate to have such a beautiful life after what they had already been through um and so i think that's actually what we think farms are right when you you grow up seeing the happy cow on the milk cartons and you know but yet we know the mom and pop farm and and they do it the right way. And this is how animals were supposed to be. This is how they're supposed to live. Yet the factory farming and, and the conditions and the disease that's bred in these places as well. Well, and the hormones too. I mean, we didn't even touch upon the fact that in factory farming, they like pump these animals full of hormones and, um, 
antibiotics so that they, right. they don't get as sick. And then like, it's just, it's just gross. I mean, yeah. I mean, but we don't know. And that's where I was. I didn't know eight years ago. I had no that. idea. I had no idea that cows had to be pregnant to I'll admit it. I had no idea cows had to be pregnant to give. Oh, milk. I didn't either. No idea. <laughs> I, didn't either. I was naive. I thought they just gave milk. Had no idea that we had to make that happen. Had no idea the hormones, had no idea the diseases that happen, had no idea the trauma to the animals. Like in my mind, they just, and really had no idea to the trauma of the workers. I mean, you know, it just extends so far beyond. And, you know, people always say, yeah, but that's our grandparents. Listen, the consumerism and the farming that happens for this food to be on your plate and at the grocery store is not what our great grandparents were doing. That is not it. It has consumerized so much and it's so much torture and just slaughter. It's just not the same and we don't need it to be healthy. Absolutely. It's really, it's not the same at all. And unfortunately the generations that will suffer are the ones that live in this rapid consumer era because it's mass producing. And again, you follow the money, go back to the money. Um, And that's what it comes down to. And so, you know, realizing for me was a pivotal moment, seeing uh, pigs, seeing me going in. I don't know if you, you remember the pig pen huge and they're all sleeping together and cuddled up together and, and burrowed into the hay and the way they lived and just seeing like what intelligent creatures they are. uh, Yes. Makes you really think. It it makes you think a lot. And and then there was a story that the, the, the tour guide at the farm sanctuary said that two of the pigs had become like best friends and they like snuggled and it was a male and yeah. female. So she said they were like dating and it was so oh. cute because they're so personified and they're so intelligent and they have such personalities. And, you know, we, you know, I don't know, I have three cats. So I had three and I have two, but I have two cats and they have such different personalities. And, you know, right. like we open our homes to them. We would never think of eating them, but right. like these, these animals that are farmed for meat, like they're just as intelligent, if not more, and so sentient and gentle. And they would be your pet too. Absolutely. We actually have a neighbor up the street and we live in the city. <laughs> it's probably not even legal. Um, who has a pet pig and it will, it's adorable. It will be out in their front yard sometimes, um, but they are very intelligent. And, you know, going back to the cows and not knowing that cows don't just produce milk, that they have to be artificially inseminated. They have to, you know, be living the life cycle of pregnancy, birth, and then having their calves taken away. And like, I got to experience this this past year, having a baby myself and realizing how hard breastfeeding is, how, you know, attached you are to your baby and being an animal and not even having, right? They, they have the same feelings that we do. They have the same connections that we do. Mm -hmm. And yet we just use them and abuse them. And I think that the more this information comes out, the more other compassionate people can connect with that and connect the dots, right? Right. Make the choices for themselves. But either way, um, well, it has been such a blast to have you on, Kathy. I feel like we could just talk forever. (laughs) Um, Me too. Tell us a little bit about where we can find you. I know your website is veginspired.com. That's where, um, I know you post a lot of recipes on your blog and you have your coaching. So tell us all the places. Yes. So veginspired.com is a great place to connect. I'm very active on Instagram at veginspired. And then I also have a Facebook community, veginspired healthy habits for high achievers. It's easiest to get there veginspired.com slash foodies. Um, but if you connect with me on Instagram and tell me you heard this and you want to be in the community, you can just send me a message. Like I said, I'm really active on Instagram. So at veginspired is a great way to connect with me directly. And I can direct you to the resources that you're looking for, but I appreciate you having me on Natalie. This was such an awesome conversation. It was, thank you so much. Yes. If you want to connect with Kathy, go ahead and reach out to her. Don't be shy. I say it all the time on the show. 
We are real human beings. You can reach out to us. <laughs> we will respond. Uh, thank you so much, Kathy. It's been a pleasure. You guys connect with her. She has so much good knowledge to share. Awesome. Right. Thank you. Take care. Oh my goodness. Kathy has so much incredible knowledge to share with all of us listening to the podcast. And I loved having her on our show. She makes things so easy and digestible, no pun intended, and really tangible to take away and go implement into our own lifestyle, right? She knows because she's been through it herself break things down, make them easy, be realistic with your goals and start to take small action towards what you can do, right? So we talk a little bit about disease prevention. We talk about, you know, knowing your numbers, knowing where you are health-wise and starting to see yourself reap those benefits just by the small changes that you do make in your life by cooking at home and eating, you know, less to minimal dairy, uh, starting to exclude the meat and find some good vegan plant-based alternatives instead, right? And just simple ways that you can find support, right? You know, whether it's your spouse doing it with you, whether it's, you know, your family that's trying to eat healthier, or, you know, maybe you need to join a community to have a little bit of back support, right? If you want to make these big changes, don't let it be too overwhelming. So I hope you guys enjoyed having Kathy on today. You know where to find her. Like she said, she's mostly on Instagram at veginspired. You can also go to her website, veginspired.com. Kathy is just a breath of fresh air. She really is. And she is the proof to the vegan pudding that it can be done, right? You can transition. Even if you are a junk food vegan, you can transition into eating more whole foods and really reaping the benefits of your health, of your weight loss journey, whatever it may be. We are here for you. All right, guys. So don't be shy. Uh, like Kathy said, you know, you can go ahead and just straight up DM her at Instagram veg inspired or if you want to chat with me and you are like, Natalie, I really want you to cover this topic on the episode, or I really want you to have on this guest. We will make it happen. Simple, done. It's already done. <laughs> All right. So don't be a stranger. And if you guys could do me a huge, 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 huge favor, let's spread that plant-based love, right? Let's spread the message. Um, like Kathy said, right? All it took was watching a couple documentaries for her to finally dive into this vegan lifestyle. And maybe this podcast is, it's not a documentary, but maybe this is someone else's introduction to this lifestyle and they want to make a change. And this is their resource. All right. But people can't find this podcast unless of course you guys go ahead and rate it, leave me a review, share it with a friend, share it on your Instagram story and tag me. I love it. I love it. I appreciate it. I appreciate you for listening, for supporting our podcast. You guys, thank you so, so much from the bottom of my heart. All right. So I will leave you today with just another reminder to keep pushing towards your biggest goals. I know they can seem lofty. I know they can seem overwhelming, but take those small steps to making long lasting, sustainable change. All right, guys, until next week, I will talk to you then. Have a great rest of your week until next time. Bye.